0: Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for September 20th, 2017. It's a Chris Sale night, but people might be surprised with our take on Chris Sale for tonight. Because I do think that Chris Sale's in play at 13,200, but he's nowhere near the auto-type play was earlier in the season. He only went 97 pitches in his last outing. The Red Sox are basically in the playoffs already. I don't know if they've clinched a spot, but they've at least almost clinched a playoff spot. They're up three games on the Yankees in the division with not a lot of games left. So they're probably going to win the division. Uh, they haven't also totally run away with it. But with that said, Chris Sale only going 97 pitches in his last start. They don't have a ton of incentive to push him, and they definitely want him to be well-rested for the playoffs at this point. So I don't think it's very likely we see one of those 115 to 120 pitch outings from Sale that we saw earlier in the year, which really caps his upside at 13,200. It's just going to be really tough for him to have a big game So for his price, he's not going to be one of my favorite pitchers on the slate. I won't say I'm not going to roster him, because I still think that there's a chance he ends up in some of my lineups. But Chris Sale, probably the least amount of interest I've had in him in any other start for the season. Do you agree with that, Matt?
1: Yeah, I think Chris Sale's fairly priced. I think um, this is cheaper than he's been in a while, but I think he's fairly priced because his upside is a little bit limited, like you said, uh, because the pitch limit while there's not a formal pitch count for him, I think that in any game where... From this point forward in the season where the games sort of don't matter, I think in any game where he's kind of struggling in the later innings and he's around 95 to 110 pitches, I think they're going to be quicker to pull the plug on him because even though they could end up falling behind the Yankees for the division, they're going to at least be in the wild card regardless. Um, And I think with the two, two and a half game lead that they still have, there's not... There's not too much of a concern that they're going to get passed by the Yankees. I think, um, I'm not sure if they have any games left with the Yankees, but if they were playing them directly, maybe they'd be a little less cautious with Sale. Um, even if we were seeing a full workload from Sale, though, I think there are enough better choices on this slate uh, for other pitchers. And uh, the offenses that we like, well, at least, at least one offense that we like is really expensive. I think just the way that this slate sets up, even if Sale was in normal Sale mode, I think I still probably wouldn't use much of him. And because there's a potential concern about his pitch limit, I think that I won't use him at all.
0: Yeah, there's a bunch of guys in like that mid-tier price range that are just good options because they're good pitchers with really good matchups. And none of them are like outrageously expensive. My favorite one in the mid-tier is going to be John Lester at 9200 at Tampa Bay. So Lester has had a bit of a down year this season. But with that said, he's still been a league average average issue pitcher, and a lot of strikeout upside. He's still striking out over nine hitters per uh, nine innings, so more than batter per inning. And then in addition to that, the Rays, uh, well below average against lefties and strikeout against left-handed pitching more than any other team in baseball. So the upside on Lester, 9,200, is, is really big for this game.
1: Yeah, I like John Lester a lot. Uh, I do worry about him just being worse overall this year, but the Rays strike out so much against lefties that even if he doesn't have a great game in terms of run prevention, I think the strikeouts are going to be there. And I definitely think Lester has underachieved this year to some degree. So I like him a lot. I like Brad Peacock a lot in that similar price range. Uh, Peacock also for sure has the highest probability of getting a win on this slate uh, at home against the white Sox with James Shields opposing him. So Peacock, I think, very likely to get the bonus. Uh, the White Sox strike out a lot against righties. They're a lot worse against righties. I'm not overly concerned that they've been decent lately. Um, so Peacock and Lester, I think, are the preferred choices from this price range, and they might be my two favorite pitchers overall.
0: Yeah, so the other thing also is, like you said, Peacock very likely to get the win. And he hasn't been quite as good in recent starts in terms of fantasy production, just because he's been pretty consistent right around five to six innings. But with that said, he has a much higher floor than I think most people would think of Peacock. There was a point earlier in the season where I was very concerned about rostering a lot because of the floor, but he's been really consistent at like at least getting 14 to 15 fantasy points like on the low end. So even if he doesn't have a great outing, like that's a really high floor for him. I think he's had at least 15 fantasy points in all but three or four of his starts this season. So if his worst case scenario is like fifteen fantasy points, and his best case scenario is somewhere around thirty fantasy points, like that's a pretty good outcome for him at nine thousand eight hundred. And then another pitcher who I like a lot just for his price tag is Denelson Lamet at seven thousand seven hundred. It's a really tough matchup against Arizona, but with that said, seven thousand seven hundred for a pitcher who's as good as Lamette, and also the strikeout upside of Lamette, thats a really good spot. Lamette has one hundred twenty-eight strikeouts and one hundred four big league innings this year. So a lot of upside there. I think those are my three favorite pitchers. And then maybe some sale mixed in there, just if there's enough value to pay up for him.
1: Yeah, I definitely like Denilson Lamet a lot, too. It's a big park downgrade for the Diamondbacks. Lamette has a lot of strikeout upside. So he's a lot better of a DFS pitcher than a real-life pitcher. Because um, he is a little bit walk-prone, but he gets a ton of strikeouts. And we're just looking for fantasy points out of him. Um, it's going to be a little hard for him to get the win here. He's an underdog in the game going opposite Robbie Ray. Uh, but really what we're looking for here is strikeouts. And Lamette is as good of a bet to end up with a lot of strikeouts as anyone, probably outside of the really expensive guys. Uh, so for only 7700 there's a lot of upside. And um, I think there are a couple other cheaper pitchers that are semi-interesting. Uh, Felix Hernandez, maybe Steven Brault against the Brewers. But I think that there's not going to be a need to go that cheap. Uh, So I think for the most part, the two of us are just going to be sticking to the three mid-tier pitchers that we talked about.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing also is uh, with Felix. So I brought up Felix before we started, and I said that I would like him if he doesn't have a pitch count, and then you said that he's almost definitely going to have a pitch (laughs) count, and the more I thought about it, I just agree with that. This is only his second start coming off the DL. He was only allowed to throw 50 pitches in his last start, so... I would say probably the absolute best-case scenario for him is probably like 8 to 85 pitches, and I don't even think that's all that likely. So for that reason, I'll also be off Felix. Uh, Luke Weaver's been really good at 9,400. It's just he is a very difficult matchup in Cincinnati on the road. I could understand wanting to play him just because he's been so ridiculously good. He has an ERA in the ones, I think, like 1.89 for the year. He's striking out more than a batter per inning, and he's just been ridiculous over his last handful of starts. So... I can't fault anybody for wanting to play him and I think he's a very good pitcher I would just prefer to use the other guys who I also think are good pitchers with just better matchups
1: yeah definitely so that that um I think that's going to just keep us to those three guys in the mid-tier sale and Robbie Ray are interesting especially sale but um, we'll get to offenses and we'll talk about who we like and given what team we both are probably going to use the most of I just don't think it even makes sense to use the top price pitchers anyway
0: yeah, so getting into the offenses then, there's going to be one really obvious spot that we've kind of alluded to already, so you could talk about them, Matt.
1: Great. Okay, so James Shields is pitching. Uh, we mentioned him before. And the Astros are actually, I think, cheaper than they were for Tuesday night. Uh, roughly the same prices, but I think it's slightly lower. Uh, so we have Jose Altuve at 5000 George Springer 4900 Carlos Correa 4600 and then it just goes lower from there. So it's not a very pricey Astros offense against... I won't call him the worst pitcher in baseball anymore. Um, He hasn't really pitched better in recent starts, but what he's done is not blown up, um, which I think is a product of a lot of good fortune for him. In his most recent start, he gave up three homers and then another ball that hit the very top of the fence, missed by like two inches, one of the closest balls to a home run that you could have without it actually going out. And that was in Detroit, which is a pretty strong pitcher's park. Uh, Shields is as home run prone as anyone. So I think... He he's definitely susceptible to getting blown up. It just hasn't it hasn't worked out that way for him. He's been pretty lucky to not have an eight to ten run start in recent memory. But he's pretty reliably giving up a home run or three or four in every start, uh, and he's just been lucky that they've been a lot of solo shots. So I think there's a ton of upside for the Astros if they happen to put together a game where they have some runners on base when they do hit the ball out of the park. Because uh, it's pretty inevitable that we're going to see at least one home run from this offense. But the floor is really high. The ceiling is very, very high. And it's just not that expensive for arguably the best offense in baseball. They have the highest WRC plus for the season at 120. Uh, so I think it's pretty easy to make the case that they're the best offense in baseball. And they're facing probably the worst starting pitcher for allowing home runs that exists, and uh, the White Sox bullpen is pretty bad too, so there's just enormous upside for the Astros. The one concern that I'll mention before you weigh in on them is that uh, with the game not mattering too much, if the Astros get up too much early they could pull their starters before the end of the game. But I think with the way they've been struggling, they want they want to get the guys at bats. Uh, Springer and Correa were both injured, so they want them back at full strength, you know, kind of into the flow of things, whatever that's worth. I think there's, there's not really too much of a reason to take guys out that haven't been hitting as well as before, um, because I guess the logic would be the more they bat, the better they're going to start playing again. Um, but that's a minor concern anyway. This is just a really good spot for them.
0: Yeah, like, if the biggest concern about a team is that they're going to score too many runs off James <laughs> Shields early in the game, which are likely to be home runs, I that's probably not even a bad result. So, um. I'm not really overly – that's not, like, a huge issue of mine. Like, if it so happens that they score – they go up 8-0 in, like, the sixth inning and they start pulling guys out, that's probably going to mean they hit, like, three or four home runs or so, at least a couple off James Shields. Shields has given up at least three runs in 14 of his last 17 starts. So there really is a lot of floor in rostering. I'm also pretty sure he's given up at least one home run in all of his starts except for maybe two this season. But I'd have, to, I'd have to look that up. It, it might even be uh, – yeah, so he's given up at least one home run in all but two of his starts this season, and he's given up three or more home runs in, let's see, in four starts. So, I mean, there, there's just so much upside in rostering. I mean, there's a pretty safe floor also, and it's just the Astros are a really good offense. It's, it's such a better spot for them than anybody else. Are there any other offenses that you're interested in stacking, or do you think the Astros just – such a good spot there's no need to go anywhere else
1: um i do like the dodgers they're in philly against jake thompson who pitched well in his last start but he's really really awful he's one of the worst starting pitchers in baseball uh the dodgers are about the same price as the astros so i probably won't use much of the dodgers because the astros are by far in the best position Uh, but if i had to pick a second favorite offense that's probably it uh, the other game that I was about to mention was the A's and Tigers again, who just have another bad pitching matchup for good offenses. But that game's actually on the early slate. So I thought I was going to have three or four favorite offenses, but it looks like it's just two. So I'll be very, very heavy on the Astros with some Dodgers. And I think that that's really all that makes sense for now.
0: Yeah, I'm just kind of looking. Uh, what are the prices on the Indians for tomorrow against Ricky Alaska?
1: Well, I just don't imagine it being worth it to roster the Indians, um, given how high owned they've been because of the winning streak, although they've come off that a bit. But I'll pull their prices up now. Uh, Lindor's 5400 Ramirez $5,100, Encarnacion $5,000. they are more expensive than Houston. And, yeah,
0: so, so that's that's too expensive. Yeah. Uh, one other offense that I'll throw out is for plugs. Uh, Actually, not even, because I was going to say the Cardinals against Rookie Davis, but they're pretty expensive also. Matt Carpenter at 4300 I think, is a pretty good play. But other than that, everybody's really expensive.
1: Yeah, so so maybe rostering Carpenter and Bellinger, because the Astros, uh, they back Gurriel down in the lineup, so you're going to need a first base plug in most lineups. Um, So those guys make sense. But as far as full stacks, I think that we're both going to be using at least 75% Astros stacks, if not more
0: yeah i really can't find another offense i like is there anything else you want to bring up because i think that pretty much covers it. i think this is a pretty straightforward slate
1: yeah we get to roster hitters against james shields that and they're actually really good hitters this is going to be fun so oh my I,
0: god guess what just happened a matt Olson home run in the second inning
1: oh boy i guess they didn't throw it up and in they're <laughs> going to need they're going to need you back there greg but i think you're going to get um scouted to pitch for the next team that faces matt Olson.
0: Yeah, it was a change up right over the middle of the plate. Oh, that's so, not the
1: spot. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's, that's a bad spot for any major league. For any, against any major league hitter, that's probably not going to work. So that'll finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at D F S and Matt's Twitter handle at at Sense. We'll be back tomorrow.